You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Facebook closes a hole in group data access. U.S. authorities seek to reassure Congress and the public concerning the security of election infrastructure. Disinformation remains a challenge, however, as the U.S. prepares for the 2020 elections. Criminals catch Potomac fever as they use politicians' names and likenesses as an aid to distributing malware. Kaspersky outlines the now-shuttered Dark Universe campaign. And Nikkei America loses millions to a BEC scam. And good dogs go after bad guys' data storage devices. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, November 6, 2019. Facebook, which has been working to rein in developers' access to data, has found that an oversight in its Groups app gave video streaming and social media management app developers access to private group member data like names and profile pictures. About 100 developers, Facebook said in an announcement it posted yesterday, had retained access to this information. With privacy upgrades the social medium had instituted in April of 2018, a group admin should have been able to authorize an app developer to receive only such information as the group's name, the number of users in the group, and the content of the posts within that group. Users, that is, group members, would have had to opt in to provide access to more personal information, like profile pictures and names. Facebook is cleaning up this oversight. While the 2018 changes were a response to privacy concerns raised by such incidents as the Cambridge Analytica scandal, stopping all the holes is obviously more difficult than Facebook had expected. The incident is regarded as a bad look for Facebook as it prepares for future rounds of privacy scrutiny, but the company says it's convinced the relatively small number of developers who had the unintentional access didn't abuse it. Some of that coming scrutiny is set to occur in a California court as the state petitions for more information on the company's privacy enhancements. At issue are internal documents which Reuters says pertain to what was called the Switcheroo Plan, under which Facebook documents divided app developers into three buckets, existing competitors, possible future competitors, or developers that we have alignment with on business models. So the suspicion is that the company undertook anti-competitive steps under the guise of enhancements to privacy and user experience. California's Attorney General has this morning petitioned the San Francisco Superior Court to compel Facebook to comply with subpoenas for such documents. 
Yesterday, the U.S. Departments of Justice, Defense, and Homeland Security joined the Director of National Intelligence, the FBI, NSA, and CISA to reassure Congress and the public that unprecedented security measures were in place to protect U.S. elections. They warned that Russia, China, Iran, and other foreign malicious actors were expected to attempt active interference in the 2020 U.S. elections. Some of those measures were on display in yesterday's off-off-year elections some states held, as state and county election authorities tested new equipment and assessed their security. There have been no reports of effective attacks against this week's vote. FireEye CEO Kevin Mandia sees the cooperation U.S. federal and state agencies are talking about as likely to be successful. He's encouraged by the collaboration among voting device manufacturers and election and security authorities. But disinformation is a different matter. Mandia told CNBC's Mad Money that the biggest problem with election security isn't hacked voting machines, but rather misinformation disseminated over social media. He said that he was confident that voting machines would be secure during the voting. I'm not worried about vote count, he said, adding, I'm more worried about those influence operations that you don't even know are happening to you. Cyber Reason conducted an exercise yesterday in which two teams, red and blue, attackers and defenders, simulated a campaign to disrupt an election in ways that would affect its outcome. The attackers did so not by attempting to manipulate vote counts or directly affect voting machinery itself. Instead, they focused on spreading disinformation designed to suppress voter turnout or confuse election officials into disallowing votes. This would seem consistent with other assessments security experts have offered. Vice reports that disinformation relative to the 2020 U.S. elections is already flooding social media, but a great deal of that disinformation is homegrown and seems firmly in the mainstream of scurrilous electioneering that's gone on since the first seriously contested presidential campaign, the 1800 contest between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Fool, hypocrite, criminal, tyrant, weakling, atheist, libertine, coward, and so on— A lot of that slanging was as lurid and specific, as rich in specious detail, as anything woofed or tweeted today. Jefferson even hired a specialist to supervise the slander. Of course, social media have an immediacy and powers of amplification unknown to the two principal authors of the Declaration of Independence. Vice quotes calls for social media to take action against domestic political disinformation the way they have against foreign influence operations— and in particular call for fact-checking and content moderation. But the success Facebook and other social media have enjoyed against foreign influence campaigns has come through culling them for coordinated inauthenticity, moderating the content of political speech, as popular as this idea seems to have grown, presents some obvious problems with respect to civil liberties. Not all politically-themed campaigns are necessarily concerned with politics, Cisco's Talos unit describes how some of them aren't connected with politics at all, except insofar as politicians' names and likenesses serve as clickbait and fishbait. Criminals are using political themes to help distribute ransomware, screen lockers, and remote access Trojans. The most popular politicians among the hoods are President Donald Trump and former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Our own Carol Terrio has been looking into the security of industrial control systems, the systems that are key components of the things that make civilized society possible. She files this report. 
So Tripwire has recently issued some cybersecurity research focused on industrial control systems. These systems are like vital to our life, right? Things like power stations, electricity grids and oil plants. Now, Tripwire's findings say that more than 90% of ICS security professionals, these are the people that look after these systems, are concerned about cyber attacks causing operational shutdown or customer impacting downtime. So I've invited Kristen Poulos, Vice President and General Manager of Industrial Cybersecurity at Tripwire, to you know, highlight all the important factors that we need to know in this research. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah, thank you for having me. Now, did I say your last name correctly? It's, it's Polis. You were very close. Okay, Polis. I'm very sorry. Tell you what, Kristen, I think I was brought up in Canada, right? And I think that my hard Canadian living, my childhood would prepare me to be completely cut off. But I think even a place temperate as the UK, where I live now, it would be a total nightmare if some critical infrastructure went down. Yeah, you know, it's um, incredibly scary to think about the potential out there. But what we were able to collect in, in the survey that we conducted was for 263 ICS security professionals, and they spanned a number of different industries. So think manufacturing and chemical and energy. And while they certainly showed a definite concern around cyber attacks and how that could negatively impact their way of life and safety and quality and the productivity of their operation, we did find that a lot of them had started making investments in ICS cybersecurity. And that was really promising to see. So what seems to be the problem? What do you think, why are half of them feeling that their current investments aren't enough? Are, uh, do they see all these holes and it's just that the board don't care? Despite there being this, this high level of companies that have made some kind of investment in cybersecurity, yeah, only half of them think that their investments um, aren't enough. Um, you know, at first, that's kind of promising to hear, right? Because it means that these organizations are thinking um, that cybersecurity isn't just a project, but rather it's a journey or a program that they need to maintain and sustain. But what maybe wasn't uh, as good to hear was that almost um, 70 percent of those companies, those same companies, believe that it would take a significant industry event in order to convince their organizations to spend more. And so as a member of this community, that's very alarming to hear because we don't want there to be a catastrophic event in order to convince the boards to spend this money. So basically what I'm hearing here is they are reluctant to make the investment. They need a huge catastrophic event to happen somewhere for them to pull up their trousers and go, Ooh, okay, we really need to take this seriously. And it's the cybersecurity, those responsible for cybersecurity that you spoke to that are actually sounding the alarm. That's exactly right. Scary stuff. What can we, the average Joe in the street, do with this information? Can we lobby, um, you know, our representatives locally and provincially and statewide? Or Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, um, the more that we can have local legislative bodies um, and state governments talking about this and talking about some basic cybersecurity compliance mandates, the more it can become common and widespread. We have a, a good example 
example of this actually uh, in North America, where NERC-SIP uh, governs our North American utilities, and there is some level of cybersecurity uh, that they need to, each entity needs to be able to meet. And so uh, we found actually through this research that it was those individuals in the energy uh, and utility worlds that seem to be um, the most aware and concerned. Uh, and I think that is because of the standard just drives awareness throughout those organizations. Well, hopefully this research will help drive awareness. And hey, who knows, maybe Tripwire should start a conference just with ICS security professionals coming together so that they can actually share ideas and share you know, plans on how they can actually limit their risk. That's, that's a great idea. Collabor- <laughs> collaboration in this space is so key. I mean, yes, sure. Yeah. We're all vendors and and trying to uh, make solutions that customers can buy. But really, at the end of the day, uh, we're trying to make the world a safer place. Couldn't have said it better. Kristen Pulis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. This was Carol Terrio for the CyberWire. Kaspersky yesterday published a study of a previously unremarked APT, Dark Universe, which operated quietly between 2009 and 2017. The researchers see links between Dark Universe and script found in the Shadow Brokers' 2017 Lost in Translation leak. The APT's victims are located, Kaspersky says, in Syria, Iran, Afghanistan, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Sudan, Russia, Belarus, and the United Arab Emirates. Both civilian and military organizations were targeted. The researchers think Dark Universe may have a connection to the Ita Duke campaign, which targeted Tibetan and Uyghur minorities in China. The researchers also think that Dark Universe shut down when its techniques were blown by the shadow brokers lost in translation leaks. Finally, here's a BEC scam pricey enough to send shivers down the back of any CFO. Nikkei America, the New York-based subsidiary of Japan's Nikkei Media Group, acknowledged late last week that it had acted on instructions received in a business email compromise scam to transfer $29 million to a fraudster account. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by Identity Architects for Identity Architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The 
IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. Justin, it's great to have you back again. Um, I wanted to touch base with you today about incident response, but specifically about automated incident response. Can you give us some insights there? Well, clearly, as an incident responder, I don't want to be replaced by a robot <laughs> or, <laughs> or automation, but, uh, but it's very relevant to what we're seeing uh, in the field with uh, commercial and, and government uh, entities today. When we look back a few years ago where there wasn't as much automation, there were large security operations centers that were heavily dependent upon a steady stream of people. You bring them in as a level one, you teach them how to do level one in the SOC. Then they work up and they get promoted to level two and they're using paper-based playbooks and they know when an event comes in, oh, I need an alt tab and I need to go to this screen and pull this additional information up and augment the data in order to pass it up to the next level. But what we are seeing in, in the field and many large corporations and entities are seeing is that that is not sustainable. It's not sustainable because there are simply not enough people in the industry to fill all of these roles. And because of that, it creates a, a negative effect where you're always worried about, well, if I hire these people and I train them, are they going to leave? And then it becomes a retention mm. problem. So one way to address that uh, and also one way to get your response times down is to automate a lot of the rote steps that these lower level analysts are doing. And typically in the SOC pyramid, you've got a lot of level ones, you've got fewer level twos, and you've got even uh, fewer level threes. And what I'm talking about here for automated incident response is really targeting those level one and level two analysts. And the way that this is manifested is that let's take a, a, a case study. Let's look at, we all know that command.exe should not be run from Internet Explorer. That's indicative of an attacker that is spawning a process from your browser. Well, if you haven't automated your SOC, that alert that comes through into your SIM might say command.exe has been spawned from a browser, and it would require a human to A, look through their list of alerts, find that alert, and then take action on it. And that action could be an additional investigation. It could be quarantining that endpoint. It could even be killing that Internet Explorer process. But what automation enables us to do is put together quite a few rules, if you will, that when the automation piece of the SIM sees that inbound alert, it will automatically trigger based upon a set of conditions and do the quarantining or take care of the killing the process or even inserting a rule into a firewall. And then the higher level security operations center workers can just look at the results of those automation steps. In that particular case, is this a matter of the automation sort of buying you time where it reports to you and says, hey, we noticed this thing. I did these things. Uh, now it's time for you to, to check it out and see what's actually going on here. 
Dave, that is a very astute point. It is critical that humans are always overlooking the automation. We can't ever assume that automation is going to take care of everything. There are still certain conditions where automation can either break or not quite do the job. So it's very important for higher level security operations center workers to check the work of the automated incident response and verify that it, in fact, A, it did what it's supposed to do, and B, why did it do that? Why did command.exe uh, spawn from a browser. And so you're right. It does buy you time in order to stop an adversary because the adversary is going to say, well, my command.exe was, uh, was killed. What else can I do? And they might try some other steps that might not be covered under the automation. So it's very important uh, to be able to uh, have experienced incident responders look over the roll-up data. All right. Well, Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.